be. I just had a great idea now that I'm thinking about it. Because I loved the idea so much, I have no idea how many coaches have taken me up on it. Because I know I've said this several times, either on the pod or out to other coaches. Oh, yeah, just interview coaches A through Z. You'll get a bunch of really good information from them. We should do it on the pod. We should do it on the pod and bring it back and invite coaches on and go, hey, coach, we're going A through Z with you. Record it as an episode and post it. Because I'm telling you, we will get some really, really good, insightful stuff that will really help, you know, coaches at large. It will be awesome. It really will be awesome. So I think we should do it. I hope you agree. And we're on. This is the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Larkin. Where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. Five, six, seven, eight. Let's Get started. Turn it up and tune in into Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. We're talking cheer, we're talking like you know we're always talking. So listen up, you boy, I'm about to go all in. Five, six, seven, eight, we're on. Let's begin. This is episode number 98. Not sure if there's going to be a 99, but thank you for joining. We have a great episode for you guys today. Today we have on John Magailo from Spirit Athletics, Becky Herrera from Cheerforce, Portia Berger from the California All-Stars, Kyle Tolliver from NorCal Elite, and Julian Hirschberg from Max All-Stars. Now you're probably wondering, Jason, why do you have on so many different coaches in this episode? Well, in an episode back in December, I brought up this thing I did one summer where I interviewed all these coaches basically using the alphabet as my guideline and my framework. And I mentioned, hey, we should do that again, record it and put it on the podcast. And basically this is that come to life. So today we are going through the alphabet and for each letter of the alphabet, I have come up with a different question and each coach has their own set of questions to answer. And I'm telling you, there is some great stuff in here, people. So get out your journals, get out your sticky notes, get out your pens, your papers, your napkins, and your crayons because you are in for a treat. Now, because there will be an influx of people who have never listened to the show before or might not even know this show existed, let me welcome all of our new listeners. Welcome. As you just heard, we are 98 episodes deep, and I spend most episodes talking about the cheer industry from a coach's perspective, but we also have B. Moore, who shares her thoughts and opinions from a cheer parent's perspective, and then every few weeks, we have on an awesome guest, typically an industry leader, who shares their story on how they became who they are today. So if it's your first time here, thank you for checking out the show. Again, you have 97 other episodes to catch up on, but so that you don't don't miss out on any more. Be sure to subscribe. For everyone else, be sure to follow us on Instagram and on TikTok, two fairly new channels for us. We obviously post clips from the show there, but we also do a lot of other fun videos and giveaways there as well. So that's JasonC.Larkins on TikTok and let's underscore talk underscore cheer underscore podcast on Instagram. Shout out to my mother, Sheila, Claire, Robin, Adriana, Chanel, Tamara, myself, my not so mysterious supporter, Heather. Peterson of Flipside, Pablo, representing for all the cheer dads out there, our mate Michelle, Mike the lean, mean coaching machine, and our newest supporter, Heidi, tell Aurora I said hi. Thank you for all of your donations, and if you want to financially support the show, you can donate for as little as 99 cents a month, and I'm telling you, it truly, truly helps out the show. It helps us take it to the next level, and every donation is used 
for your listening pleasure. Link in the show notes, link in the description. And if you're looking for the best free way to support the podcast, all you have to do is share the podcast, send it to a friend, send it to another coach, or post it on your social media. And by posting it on your social media, you are entered to win the giveaway And what is the giveaway, you may ask? A free coaches training with yours truly. Twist Stars Cheers is coming up here shortly, and the next one could be with your program. All you have to do to enter is take a screenshot of an episode of the podcast, post that on your Instagram story, and tag our Instagram in the post. That's it. Share the post on your story, tag the Let's Talk Cheer podcast in the post, and you are entered to win. The winner will be announced in episode 100. The more shares, the more entries. Someone is going to win. Why not you? I'm the cheer director at American Cheer, AKSC.com, sharing with you my life, running a program, managing a staff, coaching the athletes, and working with the parents. And on the other side of the microphone are several coaches who will be blessing your ears today. But starting us off strong is John Magilo of Spirit Athletics. John, thanks for coming on the show, man. Excited that you are starting off A to Z. Um, I split the letters up into like these six or five different groups, and I figured A through F would be right up your alley. So I'm ready to get started with this. Let's start off right now with the letter A. And this is actually a question I've been getting a lot from coaches. I get this question in my DMs or just coaches that text message me all the time. And so A is for absences. How are you dealing with absences and how do you guys deal with absences in your gym? I think that's just everybody's main issue, right? It's something that we all struggle with. So this year, what we've kind of adopted more is a blackout policy. So about Mm -hmm. between three to two weeks of a big event, whether it's camp, whether it's choreography, um, showcase, competition, whatever it may be, those are mandatory practices. There's absolutely no mm-hmm. missing unless you have a doctor's note. If you don't, mm-hmm. your parents are still going to pay the fee, but we're replacing your child for that event. There we go. So mm-hmm. what's the, your fee, if you don't mind me asking? Um, they have to pay the competition fee of whatever that oh. registration fee is nice. to perform. Good stuff, man. Love that. Okay, so you black out two to three weeks before the big event can't miss if you do miss you have to pay the fee and your athlete is getting replaced awesome okay good stuff let's move on to b for belief you're our program and actually really cool about your program is because you had to get your athletes to actually believe that they can win big events so you've done that several times now you actually predicted that you guys were going to win the summit in several divisions and you have so congrats on that but how did you get your athletes to b believe that they could win big events Um, it's really funny. I am a really big fan of coach John Wooden and he focuses on the pyramid of success and he talks about industriousness and innovation and grit. And a lot of what we do is we're very aggressive as coaches. We're aggressive as Mm -hmm. a program. That's the nature of the demographics of our area. Our kids are pretty rough. So what we are is we set specific standards and we don't settle for anything less it's a lot more harsh than some people, you know, disagree with it, but we tell them, no, no one is going to beat you because you have worked the hardest. No, no one is Mm going to beat you. because You're in control of your emotions. No, no one's going to beat you unless you beat yourself. 
Yeah. And then we take a lot of those learning experiences because errors happen. Like they always happen no matter how prepared we think we are or how Mm -hmm. great we think we are. And we use that. Be like, hey, remember that one time? Did we like that? No? Okay. Let's make sure that never happens again. Let's wrap it out. Yeah. So it's just a lot of pushing them to understand that their personal best is the standard. And Mm -hmm. we always watch our competition. I can't tell you how many times I've been on random Instagram pages checking out people's stunts or I found like a mom of of a program who posted her routine video and screen record (laughs) that and I put it up on the camera and see like, this team is going to beat you. Like, Mm -hmm. look at this, they don't move. Or, you know, whenever a big competition comes up, I get the lineup and we watch them on varsity TV and I freeze everything. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I look at the bases, I cover the flyers and they're like, those bases don't move. They don't move at all. Look at you. You're like tap dancing under your stunts. Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. They freeze, they this. So by the time, you know, my kids are at competition, they know these routines. They know what they have to do and they understand those standards. So it's just always being prepared, always knowing what we're up against, always, you know, utilizing our tools and resources. I'm glad that I have multiple coaches on our staff. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Patty, our owner, she's always the voice of reason. And I have my co-coaches like Candace and Bailey, who are always the more nice ones. They're like, okay, it wasn't terrible. I was like, it was horrible. It was awful. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? She stepped here. But like, they everyone like really evens each other out. You know, I take the turn of being like the punisher enforcer and then I get to be the nice guy. So we have a really amazing staff that just can kind of really get into every kid because realistically, you know, how you connect with your athletes and how we are able to build those rapports and relationships is how we create, you know, mm-hmm. the type of athletes that we're going to be. I have a follow-up question for you because yeah. I know I feel like lots of coaches are asking this as you said this. So you'll show your team's videos of teams they're going to compete against, right? And so I feel like a lot of coaches will go, if I show my team, you know, a video of Stingrays, they're going to go, how in the world can we ever beat them? So how do you manage like showing them a great team without having them uh, doubt themselves that they can be at that level? I find it far enough in advance. So what I'll do is I'm very blunt with them. I'm very realistic. I believe in teaching the kids the score sheet. I explain drivers. I explain the difficulty ranges. I explain, Mm -hmm. yes, they have, you know, I'll use, uh, for example, like last week. And I was like, look, this team has all squad fulls, but are they the best fulls? Mm -hmm. Like 15 people are throwing a full at one time, but like our 10 are perfect. And -hmm. on the score sheet, you know, that doesn't matter. You can throw all squad five times in a row. That score's not going to beat you. But anytime you repeat a skill, you're taking away that difficulty chance, right? Um, Also, I just tell them, I'm like, that's the reality. So we can either be afraid and go in and expecting, hey, let's try our best or we're going in and take them out. Yeah, there you go. Two options. All right, let's move on to C for conditioning. So what type of conditioning are we doing right now? How do we get our athletes to be super strong? Super strong. Um, we do a lot, uh, a lot of actual mentalistic conditioning as well mm-hmm. as physical conditioning. So every practice we have a set warm up. Um, the staff as a group, like came to consensus, we're like, all right, you know, tumbling's our weak area. You know, last year that was just across the board. We had like really weak legs, or we had an influx of mm-hmm. knee 
things. So we really focus on like a lot of leg conditioning, a lot of arms, triceps, um, hand placements on certain drills. So we have the mm-hmm. same warm up that happens, you know, every morning or not morning, every practice, same type of conditioning warm up, and then the same tumbling type of warm up, and then the same stunting kind of warm up. Just a lot of repetition. Mm-hmm. About how long? How long are your practices? Our practices are two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. And then how, how long are you spending conditioning? Conditioning, I would say it's about a good 20 to 25, 30 minutes. It just depends on the issue because we do a lot of consequential actions. So like, for example, mm-hmm. if your stunt falls, you're, gonna, you're mm-hmm. going to condition. In between the routines, whatever yeah. errors there are, you're going to condition. It's a lot of erroneous learning. So for us, it just kind of depends on where we are. At the beginning mm-hmm. of the year, we focus a lot more on conditioning and just technique drivers. So mm-hmm. our practices are made like condition-based versus the actual season. It's more mental-based. Like one game that we play, I, I, I get so much joy out of it, but the other kids don't, um, <laughs> is that we have each stunt group. And I tell them, I'm like, hey, what stunt group do you want to challenge? Mm-hmm. And they'll pick their stunt group. I'm like, okay, if that stunt group hits, you owe me 50 push-ups, mm-hmm. And then you have to do that. And if you fall, you have that conditioning. Or if they fall, they have that conditioning. Or if they both hit, nobody has conditioning. Yeah. So it's a lot of that type of thing. And the kids get really into it. Like, they'll start, like, poking the bases and the stunts. They'll start, you know, cheering for them or, like, yelling at them to fall or wherever it may mm-hmm. be. And it actually really strengthens the mindset of how they're going to handle the competition because I've been at events where I have opposing teams that are like on the stage, like cheering for us and wishing us the best. And Mm -hmm. I've had, you know, sometimes where I've had those people like saying like fall, fall, fall. Yeah. And we just tell the kids feet off of that. It's like, are you? (laughs) Yeah. Only you're in control of your emotions. right? (laughs) True story. All right, here we go, John. I call him John. Everyone else calls him Jay. I know. My bad. Here we go, John. (laughs) Let's move on to D. D is for dance. So give me the deets. How do we clean a good dance? How do we make a dance clean and sharp? A dance clean and sharp. All right. It's probably one of the most aversive things I ever have to do. I, I hate cleaning dances. It's just I challenge, you know, you being on teams with me and you also coaching me at one point, I suck at dances. I was never good at them. (laughs) I don't move that way. I was a gymnast. So what we do is I have all of us focus on like one particular part of the floor Mm -hmm. and we just break down every single A count. You know, we'll go five, six, seven, eight. We'll do the first A count and freeze. And we Mm -hmm. see the picture and I'm like, no, you know, and then each one of us, like Patty will be, you know, above us, like standing on top of her perch and then mm-hmm. like baby here and Candace will be here and Patty will be like, do you see her feet? And she snaps a lot. That's just yeah. why I do that. Like we're very fast people. <laughs> She's like, do you see her feet? Like that's not the same. Like why is her right foot in front of her here? Why is this person over here? Is it space or is it quarter? Is it this or is it that? Mm-hmm. And eventually we just continue to like kind of chain that forward until we have the complete dance. And then of course, you yeah. know, when you go full out, you get to that dance, everything you worked on for an hour and a half goes to the wayside and you have to start all over again. <laughs> Throw it out the window. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. So Patty's up top, she's upstairs on the perch. Uh, and there's, you know, two or other, 
two, three other coaches down there on the floor and you guys just split up the floor and then each person's in charge of their section, right? You're in the middle looking at, you know, the center dancers and everyone else is off to the sides looking at the, you know, the left or the right. And then you guys just go through one eight count at a time and, you know, just break it down to make sure you guys are all in, in step in unison. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. It's just a, always a learning experience because we've, you know, been blessed to have such amazing choreographers in our gym. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we've had Michael Chow that like works with a lot of our teams and he does a lot more like dance, like movements, like where you're actually swooping your arm and you're like, oh, we're stopping mm-hmm. here. We're going here. Yeah. And that's all you get to do for the rest of your life, you know, yep. or, but, you know, Ray Jasper comes in and he just, you know, five, eight counts in two seconds. So yeah. you're moving like, <laughs> crackhead speeds. Or then like we have, you know, Patty does all of our lower levels and she just understands like that age demographic and she understands mm-hmm. like what those kids can do. And it's always, it's just a cool learning experience. Like we all just kind of always learn something different. We always try to get better at it. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. All right, here we go. Let's move on to E. For execution, I always tell people that execution is king. So how do you, one, well, you know, you guys are one of those programs that just flat out execute. So how do we get the kids, how do you emphasize execution to the kids? And how do you train execution? Like, how do you get your kids to look like robots? How do we get the, um, our little death robots? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, like I said, we're very aggressive just as a program as a whole. Um, one thing that has been like a huge game changer for us is we've been just recording all of our skills on phones. You know, mm-hmm. we do the slow-mo, we like look at the pictures. We have like the best investment that we ever got probably was that um, the ITV, I'm trying to remember, like the Apple TV. And mm-hmm. we always just put whatever's happening on top of the screen and just be like, watch it. And then we yeah. slow it down i'm like do you see that you're opening your heel stretch this way and this full up versus her who's opening it to the back versus her who's here look where Mm -hmm. she's grabbing her hand on the shoe look at where your hand is are you grabbing the middle of the shoe the toe the heel are you or do you have such bad flexibility that you can't even get your heel stretch you know and it's also cameras don't lie and um one thing that we definitely use is we have our like private facebook group for our parents and when mm-hmm. we say that we need some extra practices, we'll like post the video and be like, so this is why we're practicing on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you see? <laughs> like, we don't want to <laughs> spend, you know, our thousands of dollars and our kids' efforts on them not doing well. So it's just a lot of, you know, building rapport with the parents, having them understand that we're not going to try to do extra practices unless it's necessary. We focus on every single account. Like, for me, my passion and love is stunting. I love to stunt. I love to do pyramid. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of like the freeze game, you know? Yep. And as they get stronger and stronger and stronger throughout the season, we do like one freeze game per practice as the warm up, And they know the specific spots that they have to freeze in their sequence. Like five, six, seven, eight, freeze on one. Five, six, seven, eight, one, go three. And then you just kind of build through the entire yep. stunt sequence. And if they fall, they condition, then they do it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They fall, they do it again. Like, and it that sometimes takes like 20, 30 minutes, but you can actually get that frozen picture. And it's yeah, so good when it happens. <laughs> good stuff, man. 
All right, here we go. Let's move on to our last one, which is F for full outs. Give me your philosophy on full outs. Um, what do you think about, you know, how do you run, how do you manage them at practice about how many do you throw at practice or just your general philosophy for full outs at practice? Our, our philosophy on full outs is that we believe in building the cardio, right? We want to always mm -hmm. make sure that our kids are safe enough to always do the skills. So when we get our routines, like we start with like the building routines, we start with our tumbling routines. We realize, you know, like what our strongest, we kind of lay out like our strengths as teams and like mm -hmm. really dive into it. It's like, all right, you know, like we have a team of new kids that are doing fulls this year. So we don't want to be running like eight full outs, having them do fulls, fulls, fulls and risk a knee injury. Or yep. we're like, okay, like, you know, they're a second year level three teams are fine doing a bunch of tucks. Like their tuck section can go every time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when we finally get to that point, like we'll start off with like about like, okay, let's just try to survive our routines. Like the first two, of, you know, mm -hmm. of like just make it through just, it can fall. It can, this just, we'll have oxygen masks ready for you at the end. Just try <laughs> to make it through. Right. And then as it goes through, we begin to build their cardio by running before their full outs. Mm -hmm. So um, we start with like a, about a 30 second run and then they'll do like a routine with like one less skill, like if they're, level five, we make them run to layouts. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to run mm -hmm. for two and a half minutes to like whatever cheer song they want or whatever regular song mm -hmm. they want to get themselves hyped and pumped. Wait about 10 seconds, get to the opening press play. We'll do yep. about three of those come like about mid season. And then by summit, we're doing about seven of those seven, eight. All right, John. So I know you do pyramid choreography, you do tumbling camps, and there's a plethora of things that you're able to help out other gyms with. So if someone wanted to reach out to you, how could they find you? The best way is Facebook. Um, I always answer my Facebook Instagram messages. Um, you go. can always reach me there. My name is Jay Magailo, and I'm the program director at Spirit Athletics. <laughs> there we go. So we'll put uh, the link in the description. Reach out to Jay. AKA John, he's A's, hey, John in my hearts, people. Uh, and um, yeah, get him out to your program, make it happen. John, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you, Jason. Owners, directors, coaches, we are in comp season now. So if you're looking for a second set of eyes as you're gearing up for your big events, I'd love to help out. You send me a video of your routine and I send you a video back of your routine with what I would fix and how I would fix it. Teams I've done this for have gone on to be world champions, NCAA All-Star champions, NCAA Collegiate champions, Summit champions, and D2 Summit champions. So if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, you can reach me via email at Jason Larkins, or you can reach me on Instagram at Jason Larkins, or on the Let's Talk Cheer podcast Instagram, Let's Talk Cheer podcast. And we are back. So now we have... Becky joining us on the show to do letters G through K. Before we get started, Becky, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us. But go ahead and tell the people who you are and the different hats that you wear in the industry. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is super exciting. My first podcast. So yay. <laughs> Check that box. Um, yep. No, yeah. My name is Becky Herrera and I founded Cheerforce in Southern California, 22 years ago. Um, before that, I grew up dancing. So that was mainly my background um, and fell into cheer because I love the Dallas Cowgirls. And I don't yep. know if you're a fan of them or not, but yeah, that's 
was my inspiration for getting into cheer. Um, graduated from USC, thought I was going to open a dance studio, and it become became a cheer gym. So here we are 22 years later. Super excited to have made it through COVID and all the challenges that have come, you know, all these years later. Um, I'm a mom of three boys that have all gone through the cheer program. And my youngest little guy is on our mini one team that I'm coaching this year. So that's a super mm -hmm. fun, special time together. Um, besides that, I'm involved with USASF. I have, um, I'm the chair of the Connection Leaders, which I know Jason is part of. And I um, was recently appointed to the board of directors with USASF as well. So it's really great to kind of give back to an industry that has given me a career and all that fun stuff. So yeah, that's there me. Go. Love it. I did not know you went to USC. That's awesome. There we I go. Did. Of all fight the things on. you said, I go, she went to USC, fight on. Yeah. I, you fight know, on. I probably didn't have the grades to get there, nor any skill that would allow me just to kind of get in. But you know, <laughs> I do, I do enjoy them from afar. I do go, Ashley and I went to a game, that was years ago, but you know, fight on oh, let's the, go the games are the best part absolutely I yeah mean, we have the heisman winner so you know you got to go next very year. true we'll, we'll go together oh my gosh we went i this is off topic sheila and i went to we were at competition in pomona so a couple months ago when they um was it the pac-12 championship when they played utah we and talk about that mm -mm. I, well yeah. i'm telling you we go down <laughs> we all had dinner with staff it was a bad day we had it was. We have dinner with staff and we're watching the game. And then we go back to the hotel. And we're like, hey, let's go to the hotel bar and finish watching the game. Uh, Sheila's a huge USC fan. And so we're there. And the most obnoxious Utah fans were in the bar. And they were just so obnoxious. And me and Sheila were just fuming, you know, at them celebrating everything. And um, yeah, so yeah, it wasn't a good game. Um, no. But, you know, that's life. It happens. It, it absolutely, <laughs> that is resilience. <laughs> it gives yeah. them motivation for next year. <laughs> there we go. But all right, here we go. So the people, okay. the people don't want to hear us talk about USC. They want to yeah. hear us get to these letters. So let's get to letter G. So letter G, uh, getting athletes in the gym. So Becky, you have a great thriving program. Talk to us about how, how you guys get athletes in the gym. Um, you know, I love that you asked me this one because we started in a park and to go from a park with like 14 kids to now we're at, we're, my goal before the end of the season is to hit 500 athletes and we're about 25 mm -hmm. away from that. And it's really, truly been word of mouth. We don't do a ton of advertising and marketing. I'll throw out a Facebook ad here and there if we have like a camp that we're trying to do outreach for and and bring some new bodies into the gym, but really, truly the best marketing to get new athletes in has been word of mouth because mm -hmm. parents want to share what they believe in and that they, they trust in. And if another parent tells me that their child is thriving somewhere, I'm going to be more apt to bring my child there rather than just opening up, you know, a random Facebook ad that might've thought, I would want to go there. So mm -hmm. that in a quick nutshell, really, truly it's word of mouth and just having a good culture in your program. That's worth sharing, you know, there we go. And do you that's do, I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but do you do any, do you feel like your parents are just internally motivated to spread uh, the word about the gym or do you incentivize them at all to spread the word about the gym? We've kind of done both right now. We don't really have any parent incentives like, Hey, bring in 10 people and you'll get a free mm -hmm. whatever we have done that in the past. And it, it worked okay, but that kind of gave them, 
I don't know, the motivation to just talk to everybody, but not for the most sincere reasons. So mm -hmm. I think that, you know, if you have traditionally a group of moms chatting amongst themselves, they just, they share what their babies are doing and what they're proud of. They like to brag about their kids yep. and what they're involved in and that they've made a good choice and found a great program for them. So that kind of tends to be where we get a lot of great emails inquiring about our program saying, hey, my friend so-and-so loves your program. Tell us more. We'd love to get involved. That, yep. that, that gives us the most longest lasting customer rather than some that just kind of, I don't know, happen across us by chance. But those that mm -hmm. talk about us and learn from us from other families, those are like, they're in it to win it. They're super yep. dedicated. All right. So it sounds like focusing on like the culture in the gym, like if you have a good product, a good culture place that families are proud to bring their kids, they'll just naturally tell, you know, their sphere of influence and, you know, bring their friends because everyone wants to share the good things that are happening in their lives. Does that sound about yes. right? Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. There we go. All right. So guys, get a good culture. You'll get new kids in the gym. All right. So <laughs> Habits. H is for habits. What are some habit habits every coach should instill for personal success? Okay. So I'm going to be the devil's advocate a little bit, and I want to know how are they defining their success? Because to me, success might be different than my co-coach or mm -hmm. my staff that I'm working with. They might, their, their success might be winning a competition and getting mm -hmm. first place, but that's not really what our big goal is here and our big picture is in our program. I want to have happy kids. So mm -hmm. for me, I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be a good listener. I'm going to be organized and I just want to see them smile. So if I can do that, I'm finding success. Mm -hmm. It might be different for other coaches where they're all about the wins and, you know, I don't necessarily go that route. So I can't speak to that. But for us personally, we just, you have to stay relevant in our industry. And I tell this to our, when we do staff trainings all the time, we tell them a doctor doesn't become a doctor because they passed one test. They stay a doctor because they're continually learning. They're always renewing their licenses. They never stop learning. And that for me is what we have to put onto our coaches and our staff, gym owners alike, club owners, dance owners, everything can't ever stop learning. So that is going to be the number mm -hmm. one thing for us. Um, and that'll be another letter down the road, I know. Um, but really, truly, it's first you have to define what success means to you. And once you can do that, then you're going to find the steps to find your path to that success. Again, for me, we just want happy kids that are going to turn out to be good humans by way of learning cheerleading. So that's going to be me staying organized, staying relevant in our industry, staying educated, and really just being out there and making sure that they're being good humans, you know? So that's my personal habit. <laughs> there we go. I absolutely love it. Um, I've known you long enough to know that you are doing things for the right reasons. You said this earlier about the USASF, about um, like when you, well, not when you first joined the connection, but you know, being a part of the uh, connection leaders and then the the board of advisors about giving back to the industry, an industry that's given so much to you. And so you're you're one of the people in the industry who I feel from my heart doing things the right way for the right reasons. So that's, that's thank my, you. my thank you, Becky. 
of course. Oh, well, no, thank um, you. It, and it's, it really honestly just comes back to when I was eight, my parents put me in dance. And shortly thereafter, you know, we, we didn't come from a wealthy family at all. And um, I, they couldn't afford my dance lessons anymore. And my teacher didn't let me stop. She gave me a job being her assistant for, you know, $5 an hour, but that's how I earned it. And, and had she said, oh, I'm sorry, you can't pay for it anymore. Bye. Mm -hmm. My life would be completely different. I would have gone a different path. I don't even know where I would have ended. And knowing where I came from and why, that just- Probably would have ended up at UCLA. Maybe. Um, you know what? That's a whole other <laughs> podcast because that's where I wanted to start. <laughs> and I changed the major. <laughs> whole other podcast. Uh, but I look back and I sh I'm so grateful for her and just giving me that opportunity and showing my family grace that that's just, that's where I come from. So I appreciate there you that. Go. Absolutely love it. All right, let's move on to I for incentives. Do you use incentive programs at practice to motivate your athletes? If so, what kind? Um, yes. And are you ready to laugh? You, you I'm guys, ready. This, is, this is not fancy. Stickers. Our there kids we go. will do anything for a dang sticker. I, we've got sticker books, and I'm telling you, I have to order more on Amazon because we're almost out. If we pull out the stickers and we're like, okay, whichever stunt group gives us the best technique right now, you're earning the sticker. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, they're super focused again, like, I don't know. Yeah. Stickers. We'll um, occasionally we'll do accountability charts, and we'll kind mm -hmm. of track attendance or if they went above and beyond. I know one of our coaches likes to have the athletes do um, miles. They'll run a mile on an off weekend if we don't have practice or if we don't have mm -hmm. um, a competition, and they have to submit, you know, their screenshot of their time and whatever somewhat honor system. And we'll track that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And if, you know, they get a certain amount of stickers, they'll get a pizza party or, or something like that. But it's really just more teaching them self-motivation. But mm -hmm. these dang kids, I'm not kidding. The minis, the tinies, all the way through the oldest kids in the gym, a sticker. That's it. You know, what's funny is we did this at CBU. When I was at CBU, Tammy, the head coach, she had Skittles because she owned an all-star gym um, I think the first year she in the all-star gym. So she was in the all-star gym and CBU at the same time. And so she's like, she would have Skittles at the practice, which, which was her big thing at the all-star gym. And I think the Skittles are kind of corny. I'm like, she's always giving out Skittles to the kids. It's kind of corny, blah, blah. And so I never did it. I never gave out Skittles to the kids. Like I would do it occasionally, but <laughs> she would always do it. And I remember one day I went to PCM because I would leave straight from CBU, go to PCM. And I remember just saying, all right, guys, if you have red thighs at the end of, you know, marking through, like from slapping hard, you're going to get red Skittles. And everyone's thighs are just super red. And I go, Fire. and they were slapping hard. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've cracked the code. And I remember apologizing, like, Tammy, I'm so sorry. I thought this was so corny, but these kids are going crazy for some Skittles right now. So yeah. And so, and you know, we still have Skittles in the gym to this day. I need to do it more. I used to do, I used to be heavy into it, but we still have Skittles in the gym. And I was giving them away last night. Like we did these like stunt group games, like your stunt group versus our stunt group. And, you know, the winner got Skittles. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so stickers, you know, not corny. It, it makes perfect sense Skittles. to me. I'm going to go buy Skittles today. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And this is kind of more big picture again, but like one other big incentive program that we have that we've had for years and years is um, every athlete that finishes their fourth consecutive year on an elite team gets a Letterman jacket. So we call it the oh, four-year really jacket cool. and we present it to them at their banquet. Um, and at the banquet, we'll first recognize the three-year athletes and we'll say, okay, if you finish your third consecutive year on an elite team, not prep, not novice, but elite, stand up, you're next, you know, next year is your year. Mm-hmm. And we've actually kept kids from moving on to like other sports or other, you know, high school cheer maybe because they wanted that dang jacket. And now it's yeah. not very cold here in California. We don't wear it very often. <laughs> but yeah, it's right. that they talk about and um, they're, they're excited for it. So that is one program that's more expensive than a sticker, but it's like a loyalty program in our gym. Yeah, that's super cool. That is really cool. I actually had a parent ask me about a Letterman's jacket like a couple of weeks ago. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll do that too. See, this is why we do I, – I said this and I'm going to say this in the opening – but I did this same thing a few years ago and with all the coaches, but I would just call one coach from run one program and just go, you know, I did A to Z with them. And I was like, oh, this is super cool. And I remember learning so much and so much I, I took from that. And so that's a great idea about like, hey, you know, a letterman's jacket every four years. It, I think it's a great idea. So fantastic. Um, also, side note, I had a parent get mad because we do the Skittles. You know, we do the surveys. I haven't done the survey in a while, but we used to do the surveys. And one parent was like, I do not like that you use sugar as an incentive. And I was like, yeah, my bad. And we give them donuts when they hit zero. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No sugar for the kids. I had to get, I was trying to guess what kid it was. I'm like, it's probably that kid. That kid's really healthy. (laughs) Their mom's in the gym all the time. Okay. Um, I'll take granola bars. Oh, wait, you might hit the allergy kids. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. Sticker, see? Stickers. Sticker. I know. It's a safe bet. <laughs> there you go. All right. Let's move on to J. So J for jumps. So what ah. jump jump drills can you give yeah. us? Um, so it's funny that you gave me Jay because coming from a dance background, my main focus was ballet and we did a ton of jumps and leaps and all of that fun stuff. So something that I always look for when we're training jumps is just their landing. And obviously, you know, the driver is feet together, but mm-hmm. I'll tell you once we had Victor Rosario in our gym doing a clinic. Um, it was mostly for tumbling, but you couldn't hear him. He was so silent Mm -hmm. and controlled in the way he landed. And we use that example all the time to teach our kids when you're jumping, it doesn't have to sound like a herd of elephants is landing Mm -hmm. on the floor. And the theory goes back to what I learned in dance and it was landing toe ball heel and just really Mm -hmm. not landing flat footed and jumping from a flat foot or landing on your heel and, you know, flex feet and all that stuff that drives me absolutely crazy. But it's everything leading through your toes should be the last to leave the ground and the first to hit the ground. So that is something that we really look at and focus on. We're not perfect at it, but it's just the ballerina inside of me. That's where it kind of comes out. Um, But that helps them with the toe point and all that fun stuff. As far as like the conditioning for it, uh, I feel like a lot of the strength is going to come from hip flexors, less on flexibility. I mean, that's important in a toe touch and in a Mm -hmm. hurdle and all that. But a lot of it is your power coming from your um, your quads, your hamstrings, and your hip flexors. So I know a lot of gyms do this, and we've learned this from – I don't even remember who. But just lit, sitting in like a pike 
and putting mm-hmm. a, a water bottle there and lifting your leg up and over on both sides and doing both. That's going to really engage your um, your hip flexors. We do that a lot. Um, or they'll be in a straddle and to both at the same time, you know, put your arms out, lift your legs yep. up, engage your core. And that also is going to help with the the rotation of your hips. So you're getting that hyperextended toe touch eventually. Um, one drill, another one that we do is we'll have like a cheese mat folded into a block. And this is mostly to teach them Mm -hmm. to rotate their hips underneath, but to jump into a toe touch and land on their tailbone on the mat. So it's obviously not hurting them, but it's really teaching them to engage that core and rotate the hips so that you're getting the right position in the toe touch. So we do that one. Um, and then, you know, for flexibility, just really deep stretching with the hamstrings. So those that maybe already have the splits will put their leg up on an eight inch mat and Mm -hmm. let gravity just really, really hold it. You know, you need to hold a stretch for 30 to 60 seconds, but it tends to be better at the end of the day. I know like Debbie Love is really big into doing um, big, deep stretching at the end of a workout session Mm -hmm. when your muscles are warm and they can really take in all the oxygen they need to get into that deep flexibility training. So that would be kind of how we would wrap up a jumps class or a jumps training session is just putting those split legs up on a, a deep mat And teaching them to kind of breathe out and let gravity, let them sink into that split Mm -hmm. um, and all that stuff. But yeah, those are kind of the main things we, we focus on. I, you know, the best person to be asked is somebody at Stingrays, man, they're like the best jumping team I've ever seen (laughs) in my life. So we just want to try to be like them. (laughs) Don't, don't we all? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Easier said than done, right? <laughs> For sure. I want to sit in their class and be a fly on the wall and just like, how do you do what you do though? Yeah. <laughs> so good. For sure. Good stuff. All right. Um, let's move on to our last question. Becky, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, uh, let's do so this last fun. question. It's been a blast. You've been great. Uh, K is for knowledge. How do you share knowledge with your staff or other coaches? Love this. Love this. And this is kind of where I'm, I feel like I'm at in my career is just trying to take that leadership role of sharing the knowledge as much as we can or telling people where to find the the answers and the resources. And there's so much information out there. I I have to go back and just say there was a period of time where you, as an owner, or even as a coach, especially you kind of, you've been around long enough and you feel like you know it all and there isn't anything mm-hmm. else to learn. And that's the most dangerous place to be in your career. And when I finally was like, all right, let me get back to a coach's conference. I was so invigorated and inspired and like, okay, there's so much more to this. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it's, is it the Dunning Kruger effect? My husband's going to kill me if I say this wrong, but it's like, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know anything. Mm -hmm. And you were kind of at that point of, gosh, there's still so much to learn. And the best way to do it is just go to conf- go to coaches conferences. You know, I sat on a call yesterday, a planning meeting for the um, USASF national meeting in Nashville this coming summer, and it's being shared with USA Cheer. And we're so excited for all the knowledge mm-hmm. and the training that's going to be happening. So for the last few years, I've brought my staff to it. Who's involved? Who's available? I will buy your ticket. I will get you out there. Let's go. So they sit and they come back so inspired. Um, we do annual trainings with our entire cheer force program across all the locations. And, you know, it's like daily check-ins. We have a band chat that we use just for our staff and we'll share things that 
works, what's not working. And we're just in constant communication and constantly encouraging them to learn and get better. And knowledge is power. And again, like I said before, you have to stay relevant in this industry. You can't just sit back and think, Mm -hmm. okay, I've been in it for five or 10 years. I'm good. I know everything. The way kids are learning now is so different than when we first started. And Mm -hmm. uh, you, you have to stay involved. Get on the calls. When there's a regional call, get on the call and listen. Vote. When the rules votes come out, put your, put your, um, and the surveys, answer the surveys, be involved. And then you'll kind of have a much better uh, way of knowing what's going on and you can stay into the game with everything good. So stay involved. There we go. Go to Stay involved real quick. Do you mind giving us the dates? Listen to the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Listen to the Let's Talk Cheer podcast. That's a great one. Um, Do you have the dates for the- I should have led with that. Right? That's the number one thing. Listen to the (laughs) podcast. Best best resource there is for everyone. Can you give us the dates for the uh, USASF conference? I believe it's July 20th to 22nd. I'm going to reach for my phone and make sure- I'm telling you the right date. Um, and it's in Nashville, Tennessee for the first time. It's super fun. I've never been there. We had so. a blast. We went to one up last year and it was one up is a, I keep saying this. Everyone knows one up is a fantastic competition. It's honestly the best competition I've been to like outside of like NCA world summit. It is, it was absolutely incredible. So That's, was that at the Gaylord at the Gaylord? It's I incredible. Love that company. Their hotels are incredible. Mm-hmm. They're my favorite. Okay. So yeah, July 20th is a optional day. It's like a master's day. So they're going to be having mm-hmm. master's classes, kind of like convention style for dance um, and cheer. So that's going to be like an added, if you want to go early, um, some specialty training for skills on that day. Um, Friday and Saturday, so July 21st and 22nd, will be the actual national meeting with your traditional welcome session, classes, regional sessions, and all that great stuff. There we go. Great stuff. Um, And then, Becky, you said this, and I want to – it's the reason why I wanted to be a part of the Connection Leaders is – I heard a a definition of gossip, which I absolutely love. And it said, gossip is complaining to people about your problems who can't do anything about them, right? And so, you know, parents sitting in the lobby complaining about why their daughter didn't make a level three team, right? That would be considered gossip because the other parent can't do anything about your daughter making a level three team. If the only person who can do something about that is right. You, the coach, you, the owner. And so that parent should have a conversation with, with you as the owner, you as the coach or whatever and say, Hey, what can my daughter do to make a level three team? Or, you know, coaches bickering back and forth about things. I don't understand why we're leaving on a Thursday night. We should be leaving on a Friday. And, you know, well, (laughs) you don't make that decision. Becky makes that decision, right? So that's considered gossip. And, and so I love that definition because, you know, we as coaches, you know, complain, you know, coaches are just as bad as parents. You know, coaches always complain about how, how much coaches, coaches always complain about, you know, parents and, you know, but coaches are just as bad when it comes to the industry. Right. And so coaches, if you want to see something change in the industry, then join, you know, the group, like be a connection leader, or like you said, you know, write the surveys, join the calls and actually have a a real impact on decisions being made about the industry opposed to just 
complaining about it to your, you know, your coworkers, right? Who don't really have, who can't really do anything besides agree or disagree with you, right? So anyway, Becky, if the people want to follow um, anything you want to plug right now, you or how they can follow the gym on social media, or they can follow, you know, USASF, like how can people stay connected with everything you're connected with? Oh gosh. Um, so our gym is cheer force. Oh, we have Instagram. Um, we have, you know, our, the cheer force all-stars on Instagram. Um, and that's our main program. And then our individual location is at cheerforce.sv, Simi Valley. Um, my Facebook is just my name, Becky Herrera. Super. It's usually mostly um, competition stuff for my kids that I post about, or I try to share some leadership memes that I think are super cool. Um, for USASF, <laughs> I mean, the main thing, if you're a member, you'll want to be a part of their Facebook pages. And I know it can be a little less exciting on social media when there's not dramatic posts and bickering to read about, but all of their <laughs> Facebook pages, they have specific ones for club owners and they have some for coaches as well. And it's just really great conversations of really, truly, I need help, help me and other gym owners helping each other. So, um, if you're a USASF member, you'll just have to, um, go to those Facebook pages and request a membership and they'll accept you. But I, you know, what you said about gossip is so important because it's just lack of information. And, um, Mm -hmm. if you really, truly want to know really what's going on, go to the source. And I know it's less Mm -hmm. exciting, and less fun because drama makes you feel better about yourself if it's about somebody else. That's why I watch The Bachelor because it makes me feel great <laughs> about my marriage and yeah. my love life and all that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Oh, a random question. Is there a – we have a lot of parents that listen to the podcast. Is there like a USASF like parent Facebook page by chance? I'm not sure – you know, is, that's but... a good question. There is a band group. I'm going to pull it up right okay. now. So if they're on band, there is, I just saw this the other day and I'm not in charge of it, but I have seen it and I follow it and I share it on some of, they have some really cool stuff on there sometimes. Um, let me pull up. I, the amount of bands that I'm in is, it's a little scary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, it is called the All-Star Cheer and Dance Parent Connect. I don't know if you can – that's what it looks like. So if anybody here is listening that is on band, you can cre- um, you can follow that. And there's some really fun interaction with some of the regional directors um, with parents on there. There we go. Becky, yeah. thank you so much for joining the show. You have been great, and you're welcome back. Anytime. Aww, you're so sweet. Thank you. I can't <laughs> wait to see. Are you going to be at Spare Sports? Of, of course. course. I'll of see course. you there. See you there. All right, guys. Oh, we're going to go ahead and you've, you've been awesome. I, I love you, Becky. Guys, <laughs> we're going to get to a break and uh, come back. And I'm not sure who we have coming on next. Well, we got someone coming on next when we get back from the break. So hang tight. And we are back. And joining us now is Kyle Tolliver from NorCal Elite. So I'm not going to go ahead. I'm going to let you go ahead and do your own intro. But Kyle, tell the people who you are and the different hats you wear in the industry. Thank you, Jason. I'm really excited to be on here today. Uh, You finally got me on it, right? Uh, I'm Kyle, obviously. (laughs) Finally. Finally, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm Kyle. Uh, I am the all-star director of NorCal Elite, now one of the co-owners of the San Ramon location. Uh, aside from let's uh, go, you know, finally, 
Uh, aside from what I do there, I also own XFX All-Star. So we are a apparel and design company and we just do a bunch of stuff for everybody in the industry. So both of those things, other than that, choreographer, mostly for our own teams now. I used to do a handful of teams over here on the West Coast. Um, haven't been able to do it that much though because we have a bunch of things that we have to deal with at NorCal, right? So really excited to be on here. Yeah. And just so everyone knows, and this is just a free plug right here, Kyle, mo uh, tons of our graphics that we use at American, Kyle actually makes those graphics. So you do a handful of our t-shirts um, every year. You do a ton of our graphics. So, you know, he does a great job. So, or you, you, well, let me speak to you. You do a great job. I love your well, stuff. Thank that you. you. I that appreciate it. Us over the years. So I really care about what yeah, I do. Man. And, and well, you know, one year you gave us. Like we had just ordered from you and like a month later, a couple weeks later, you had just sent us a free graphic and you're like, here, I gave you this. I just made this American thing for it. It was like a shield, yep. but it, it kind of looked like Captain America. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And you're like, do whatever you want with it. And I was like, cool. And so if you go on our SoundCloud, like we still use it as I our SoundCloud background. Actually. And actually, yeah, it's our SoundCloud background. And this is real. You change. If you go on social media, the American cheer logo that we use on social media you just made for us like you updated our logo and gave it like more depth like it has like you know just depth to it that's the only way i can really describe it i mean that's what i love to do um, but you just made that for us yeah you're just like here you go this is your and that's the logo that we use like i don't use the other old and i ain't get like approval for that like i'm like yo this is the new american cheer logo and this one we're using from now on so uh thanks for of that course. kyle it was a so, pleasure yeah i really always. appreciate that yeah, dude. So I got to ask you this because um, this is not one of your Absolutely letters pleasure. and I did not prepare you for this, but you text me one day. I think I'm guessing I had charisma on. I think I might've had charisma on the pod yeah. and you would like text me after and you're like, Hey, I'm ready to tell you what the red shoelace means. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, apparently caught one Kyle is to the podcast, but I need to ask. Okay. So what's up with the red shoelace with NorCal? Okay. So the red shoelaces actually do mean a lot to our program. So we had our founders of NorCal. We have uh, Rachel Joe, we call her mama. And then we had Donna Mills, uh, we called her Donna Mama. And unfortunately she passed away a couple, uh, many years back now. And um, mm -hmm. we, in her remembrance, we decided that we were gonna put these laces in our shoes. And essentially what they mean is that when you look down you're told to live for today, right? You only have today. That's the only guarantee you have. Mm -hmm. You only have the next couple minutes in some cases. So when our athletes are looking down and everybody gets set the same way, we always slap, look down in our shoes. It's a reminder to tell them to live for today because tomorrow's not guaranteed. So mm -hmm. those are what the laces mean there to us. Go. Yeah. Absolutely love it, man. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I was like, oh, I see the red laces. I have no idea what that means, but they, hey, they got red laces. So yeah. there you go. Now the world knows. You heard it here. <laughs> You heard it here first, probably not first, but you heard it here. So, all right. All right, Kyle, let's go ahead and hop into these letters. And arguably you've got the best set of letters oh, in the alphabet. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get cracking. Um, L stands for levels. So what's your perspective? How do you guys put together levels? How do you determine what level an athlete um, makes or goes on? Well, our, I know for us, levels are really the foundation of our program. So, Finding the right level for each athlete is the most important thing, at least I feel, for a competitive season or at least a highly competitive season. Uh, you build your routine upon your level, right? So, so you have some athletes that might, might have those really great level three skills, some 
that maybe have a little bit of work to do. Finding a level that balances that out is really, really important for the longevity of your team mm-hmm. that season. Um, over the years, we have like learned through hardship <laughs> not to put athletes on levels that they're really just not ready for. And you know, we, you always have those athletes that might have just got their tuck last week. It's tryouts this week, and they want to throw their tuck, and then it's just not it's not quite there. They're landing it, but it's not quite there. For, mm-hmm. for us, we found that it's best to put them in a position where they can succeed rather than where they're pushed too far. Because mm-hmm. you, you, nobody wants yeah. an athlete or not. No, I shouldn't say nobody wants an athlete. An athlete doesn't want to be in a place where they are forced to do a skill that they just got. And they go into that skill. You can see mm-hmm. it on their face. They're like, oh, no, I don't know what's going to happen. Is it going to land today? Is it go- Maybe it won't. And it's just the worry yep. and that fear is something we try to push away from, right? Um, it also mm-hmm. sets the team back like pretty substantially if you're playing catch up all summer because you have mm-hmm. a couple athletes that are just not quite there. And we've always repped our routines out that we want everything to be done 100% of the time. So if we're even if we're just doing our, our tumbling liners and we have athletes that are throwing these tum- throwing their tucks, throwing their layouts and they're touching down, they're having some pretty um, excessive steps out of it we usually will make them go back and do it again, mm-hmm. which I'm sure a bunch of coaches do. So it's really hard on them if they don't have the skills or they just don't have a proficiency. And then you couple that with this new scoring mm-hmm. system we're on that's so just steadfast on perfection and demanding execution mm-hmm. that is 100% perfect from start to finish. It just isn't something we want to put our athletes in, right? Um, so levels for us, most of the time we base all of our levels off of their tumbling. We teach their stunting capabilities. Mm-hmm. So when they come and they do tryouts, we look at their tumbling skills, their jumping skills, any specialty skills they may have, and then we put them in a level. And then that level eventually turns into the team. Um, but yep. you know, the easiest thing, the easiest way I can say it is we usually will level each athlete down by one level unless they are absolutely proficient in their tumbling, jumping, mm-hmm. and in some cases, their stunting capabilities of that level. It's also not unheard yep. of for us to put a team together and then decide maybe a month down the line, you know, we might've made a mistake here and then have that conversation with Mm -hmm. our families and pull that team down to a level where they can be the most successful. Yep. No, I got you. It reminds me of, I did an open team years ago, years ago. Right. And I remember we were trying to put toe backs in the routine, (laughs) the infamous toe back trying to figure out, you know, (laughs) yeah. Right. Toe backs back in the day. So we're trying to figure out, you know, who's going to go, it, are there any more kids on this team who can do a toe back? And I remember the choreographer, um, his name was Gianni. I think it was Gianni. He used to coach Panthers like a long, long time ago. I think that was before my time. And I remember <laughs> him. Yeah, this is, this is forever ago. Okay. Right. And I remember him saying, um, and not just a toe back. Like you need to be able to do it with uh, high heels on in, on the concrete. And not the high so heels. Everyone, there's a girl in the back named Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> he says stilettos on in the concrete. Right. Oh my God. And he's, he goes, Kristen's in the back and every, you know, Kristen's tuck was kind of hit and miss. Right. And everyone's like, Kristen, raise your hand. Kristen, come on, you can do it. And she's like, well, not, not in stilettos. And I'm like, well, that's true. She can't, she should not do one in stilettos. So you got to be in this Kristen. So yeah. So your kid can't do it in high heels on the concrete. You know, I'm not sure they got the hey, skill. That's, that's right, the truth so right there. Ahead. That's what, I, But I will say, though, <laughs> I will say we do like I, for us, 
we also try to provide an opportunity for all of our kids. It's not like we're, if somebody isn't proficient, we're turning them away. We have a pretty large Mm -hmm. prep program. And as I'm sure you know, prep Mm -hmm. is crazy these days. Like I'm watching some of these prep teams go on and put on performances and I'm like, I am glad that you are not an elite team because that gave Mm -hmm. us a run for our money, especially those like high caliber level one preps, like the 1.1s. They know what they're, they know what they're doing, but we also like try try to navigate athletes that direction. If they're, maybe they're not ready for elite level one, you know, we'll put them in that prep and we do offer full season and mid season prep teams. So if any, if, if there's any teams, any programs, any coaches of you out there, that are finding that it might be a little bit hard to build these elite teams, especially with the new scoring system, go for prep. Like it's really, really strong and yeah. the kids love it. Like they live for it. It's just as competitive, if not more mm-hmm. competitive in some cases than the elite team. So yeah, I would definitely go that route yeah, these, if you could. These prep divisions deep. Yes, deep, deep. Here we go. So let's move on to the letter M. M is for mental toughness. So how do you guys train, you know, to get mentally tough athletes. That's probably the hardest thing to do. I mean, start to finish season, beginning to season end, it's a constant struggle. Uh, I from, mm-hmm. I will say though, from day one, we really try to like demand perfection from our athletes, which kind of instills that mental toughness because there's no, they have to focus on the task at hand, right? So we'll set them in the back. Maybe mm-hmm. we're doing, it could be something as simple as doing just motions, right? We're doing tees and we're cleaning. We're going to do that until it looks the way it needs to. And for some athletes, you know, mm-hmm. that they're, they're not, they're not feeling it. They're like, why are we doing this? Like I came to do a stunt. I came to tumble. I'm not here to try to learn a T, mm-hmm. but kind of giving it, giving it to them then is what I have found and our coaches have found works the best. It's being like, you have to get through this. Like we have to have perfected T's. These motions are everywhere in the routine. It just is the most, it's mm-hmm. one of the things that's the most overlooked because you start it from the beginning. It's not get the routine, start going full out and then be like full out, full out, full out until everybody hits it, right? If you wait until that mm-hmm. point, it's too late. We're, you're way past that, yeah. that foundational level of getting them where they need to be. So at least for us, you start it from day one. And I would really, really encourage any coach to do that. You start it from day one, from practice one, even as, as soon as the moment they walk in and they get on the floor and you put them in windows, because we all start in those windows, right? Make sure they're standing on the spot on the floor yep. where they need to. Be like, you know, I'm sorry, Susie, you're on the quarter mat. We're supposed to be on the half mat. And yeah, they get frustrated, mm-hmm. but when they learn it then, it's only going to help when they get in the routine. Because the last thing you want is athletes that don't understand why you stopped the music. Right. We all get to that point. Yeah. Where like, OK, you guys, we got to stop this. You got to do it again. And they get those like faces mm-hmm. or like, oh, if you don't teach it to them before, then they don't understand what the purpose of that is. They don't they don't get yeah, why am I doing sure. this? And then on then you send it to competition. And the hardest thing is that mental game at comp, because you can rep a routine mm-hmm. 100, 200 times before you go to competition. And we've all been there. They go to competition and they hit the mat. And then they truly hit the map. And we're like, ooh, that was not <laughs> what it needed to be, right? But if you, if, yeah. you, if you work on that mental game before, then they get there and they get and they know it. They get it. They go from the beginning to the end. Every part of the routine is a focus. And that's truly what instills that mental toughness. Yeah, for sure. I read this in a book one time. And it said, you know, anytime you ask a professional, you know, athlete, you know, how much of your game is mental? versus how much is physical and they're like oh yeah this sport is way more yeah. mental than physical oh, this game is all mental 
And he said, well, how much time do you spend training the mental? Like if your game is 90% mental and 10% physical, why are you spending 90% of your time on the physical and only 10% on the mental, right? So we need to up our mental game. If, if our sport really is all mental and like, and like it is, you know, we see those kids go out there and like you said, they hit the mat and then they really hit the yeah. mat. And it's not because they weren't physically trained. It's because they weren't like, they didn't have that mental toughness and mental training. So like you said, it starts from day one. No, absolutely. All right, here we go. All right, Kyle. So let's move on to the letter N. <laughs> N is for negative athletes. So how do you guys deal with negative athletes at the gym? I mean, that's a kind of a given for any, any program. You're going to get a handful. And I would say that we're fortunate that we haven't had any like truly negative athletes where like their whole vibe is just all bad. Um, it's usually just like the day to day, like, mm -hmm. oh, I don't feel good today or I'm in a bad mood and kind of just navigating through those like times with them. Um, for me, uh, I like to really engage with the athletes a little bit deeper when they're having those types of moments. And usually it can be remedied in like the easiest thing, like, oh, you don't have to tumble today. Like, you don't need to do it. It's all good. And mm -hmm. they usually will turn it around real quick. There are, like I, I would say nine out of 10 times, that's all you need to do. But there are those few cases where mm -hmm. you have like that, just that girl or that boy that is just like, mm, I'm not here. Like, I'm not in it. Or they might be getting frustrated that mm -hmm. they think they're working harder than others. And they're just the star athlete. And sometimes those are the ones that we need to kind of have those like deeper conversations with. Like, you know, what is truly bothering you? Why do you feel mm -hmm. this way? And again, more times than not, they come straight back to you and they're like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm not, I'm happy. I'm, yeah. I'm like excited to be here. So it's, it's hard to really gauge, but at the end of the day, having a conversation with them, letting them know, like, you know, your, your vibe and the way that you're engaging with your teammates, it just isn't helping. It's not making everybody feel happy. It's mm -hmm. not making everybody feel confident. It's hurting the team because we all know like the, the strongest bonded team is usually the one that's the most successful because win, lose, or draw, they're mm -hmm. in it together, right? They're not just going for the win. Yeah. They're not going for that individual satisfaction. They're doing it with their teammates. So when you identify that issue with an athlete that may be negative, that you're, they're a part of a bigger picture, they're a part of that team, it usually helps them see through that. And then, you know, there always is those cases where there's athletes that maybe don't want to change. They don't think that they're doing that. That's when you have to go in those like deeper, like, oh, let's go talk to your parents, which usually I would say 10 out of 10 times, they stop being negative the moment you bring the parents into it. Like, nope, actually, I'm mm -hmm. really good now. I'm yep. excited. I'm really happy. So yeah, that's what I would say to do. It just, it helps no matter what, start with a conversation because half the time they don't even know that they're behaving that there way. You go. Yeah. So it sounds like, it sounds like you're saying you just flat out need to have a real conversation with the kid. Like you can't just complain to the other coaches in the gym, you know, you know, go home and complain yeah. about this person, but you actually need to have a real conversation with Susie and go, Hey Susie, like I've noticed that you aren't giving this much effort or that you kind of came in like this. And if that doesn't work, now we bring in mom and yeah. dad to really have an intervention. Yep, that, absolutely. That about right? Absolutely. You got it. There we go. All right. So that was N, which means we're on the letter <laughs> O. Yes, we are. <laughs> So O is for obstacles. So Kyle, um, share with us, you know, maybe one, you know, some of your biggest obstacles that you faced as a coach and how you've had to overcome them. Okay. Well, I'd say the biggest overarching obstacle for myself as a coach is adaptability because these, the, mm -hmm. everything's changing so much, right? Especially in our industry that if you aren't able to be adaptable, it's it's very hard. It's like you make your season difficult. Mm -hmm. And when you're looking at athletes that 
are just wanting to do anything and everything under the sun. I mean, I don't know if that's what, if you're feeling that with your kids, but like our kids want to be doing volleyball mm-hmm. and basketball and then mm-hmm. they're going to go and do the stunt team and the high school team. And it's, it's so hard to adapt to their schedules and then have that, have it affect practice. So I know for myself, at least the last couple of years, the hardest thing for me has been kind of putting myself aside and how I would hope to coach the team and coaching the kids that are in front of me. Right. Cause everybody's mm-hmm. different. So yep. taking that individual aspect and coaching that has been my biggest obstacle. It's just, it's really hard. It's all it's just always been hard for me to do. Yeah. But it is the most rewarding in the long run because you get to really get a sense of who this kid is, right? You know that I I might be yeah. able to encourage Sally one way, and that if I encourage Susie the way I just encouraged Sally, Susie's going to get really upset, right? And so that was really mm-hmm. hard at first for me to understand. I'm like, oh no, I'm just I'm telling you the same thing that I just told her. Why is it not working? And it, it, got, it actually got me in a place where I was really frustrated because I was like, am I just being a bad coach? Like, well, how am I supposed to fix this? But yeah, I would say adaptability is huge. On top of being adaptable, I, I mean, it's really, really hard for me to see a team not come mm-hmm. together. Like, that's really hard. And then try my best yeah. and not be able to mm-hmm. get through to them. So on top of being adaptable is just being efficient. That's a huge obstacle because we always want to mm-hmm. do our best. And if I'm not able to feel like I'm making a change, I can get really frustrated. And I would say that's a huge obstacle that is yeah. constant. It's not something that I've had to overcome in the past. It's something that's constantly having to be overcome. Being adaptable, being efficient. It's hard. Yeah, for sure. And the crazy thing about like the adaptability is that everything is always changing. Like the kids yeah. change as they get older. We change as we get older and have, and we all have different experiences and like, you know, different families are in and out, different coaches are in and out, the industry changes. And so as all those things are changing, we can't just do the same thing that we've always done. Like the, everything is always changing. So we always have to remain adaptable and it's so Absolutely. hard because we're all creatures of habit and we just want to do what we did You're yesterday. Me. Like, I just want to do it the way I did last year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. I heard that. All right, here we go. Uh, last but not least, P. And this this letter is perfect for y'all because y'all are some <laughs> of the best performers in the game. Oh, I so P is for that. performance. Yeah, for sure. Lo- dude, you, everyone loves them a NorCal elite routine. It doesn't matter who you're watching. Like, if you see NorCal in your division, and y'all got like 87 teams, <laughs> it's like you're going to compete against NorCal in one of these divisions for sure. So, you know, it's like, oh, you better you better step your game up because NorCal is going to be there. And y'all always bring the performance. So how do we get our kids to perform you know, and be top tier performers and take that routine to the next level. Well, I, I appreciate all the compliments. Absolutely. I mean, we really do pride ourselves in performance. It's something that we try to start from the get go. Um, but you know how I love a good performance. I mean, we talk about this all the time. Like I love when a team is on stage mm-hmm. and I just see them getting it. Like they're not just doing a skill. They are performing that skill and they're having a good old time doing it. Right. So for me, performance is one of my favorite skills to teach because I get the most joy out of seeing teams perform a routine. But it's something that mm-hmm. we do start with on day one. And it's not, we don't wait for the routines and then we're like, okay, now we're going to start performing. We got our music. Let's get it, right? It starts from the beginning. Like when we come in at practice, we do our warm up. We'll do like little things. Like let's, we want you to make a face. Like you're going to slap, you're going to look up and you're going to make this 
great face that looks like you're you just got the puppy that you mm-hmm. always wanted on Christmas. Like it's all those like little things. Yep. And then as they start to really understand that that is where those moments are, because that's the beginning. The foundation is where do you perform? What are the moments you need to perform? And it starts with those little things. Then we start to kind of expand on that. Because to me, performance is very much a skill set, just like tumbling, right? You don't come into cheerleading mm-hmm. and you're like, I got a double pull now. Great. No, that doesn't happen. Just like you don't come in and you have mm-hmm. the best performance. It just, it is, it is in that way. Yeah. So we start at ground, at like the foundational level and then build it up from there. So it starts in those little moments in between say T-Jacks or when they're going through their tumbling, like making mm-hmm. a face in their approach, but it ends with their yep. own their own encompassment of what performance means. We teach them what faces we like judges mm-hmm. like to see. I'm sure we all do that. You know, you got the wow face, like eyes wide, mouth open. Wow, we're having so much mm-hmm. fun. This is great. And then you kind of start to see after they've had to do that for so long that they start to make their own twist on it. And that's when the genuine performance comes out. Mm-hmm. And usually for us, it happens right around December. It takes a long time. Like I, mm-hmm. people overlook how hard performance is to teach. Like it's hard. And then yeah. and then on top of that, it's like a huge aspect of your score, right? Because nobody wants to go and have mm-hmm. a perfect score. And then you get to that showmanship and they're like 1.5. Thank you for mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. You know, it just, it's hard. But it is a skill set to teach. And we try to instill in our athletes every single day. Not just, not even just practices. It's every single day. Every single day. And it sounds like a, a sef- several of these answers, like it's just part of the culture of being at NorCal. Like this is, j- it starts on day one. So it's just when it's in the air, when you walk in here, like it's just part of what you do. And if you're not doing it on day one, well, you know, good luck. You have to catch yeah. up, right? Like it's, it takes a long time to develop these things. So coaches, all the coaches out there listening, a lot of these things isn't just like one specific, like, drill that we do but it's part of our culture that we start from the beginning first day of practice yeah so if you haven't started it start it right now all right kyle um dude kyle you have been great you've been an awesome guest um you're welcome back to do a full interview so people can really get to know you anytime but until then tell the people how they can um if they want to follow you know the you know norcal's journey or get in contact with you about graphics, t-shirts, all that good stuff, you know, let everyone know how they can, you know, reach out to you. So you can always catch us for all of the things God and Goddess at NorCali All-Stars. We're at NorCali or at NCE All-Stars. Got a couple little handles there. Uh, For myself and for XFX, whenever you need some like good gear, you need some anything graphic design needs, that's at XFX All-Star or XFXAllStar.com. You can always catch me. I'm always there to help passion over profit always and passion first for anything that you get from go. this guy right here love hey are you still making music i'm not making music anymore that game is too hard way too hard you know i come on man no, I, <laughs> you did fantasies track back in the day no, that was, you did one fantasy track that i absolutely loved and they did some like dance thing to it so they you had some voiceover and the girls did this dance move to it i i loved it and I always knew, always knew Kyle Tolliver did the music. But I didn't know who you were. And later I connected. I was like, that's Kyle Tolliver. He did our music that one year. So yeah, good that stuff, game man. is way too hard. I like bow down to these music producers because I can't even begin yeah. to think how they do that. It's crazy. It's crazy. Good stuff, man. All right. And hey, Kyle, best of luck the rest of your season. And I'll see you guys in USA. I guess the summit. The, I guess the next time we'll see each not, other. Not USA? Uh, no, we ain't.
Not USA. That's not not USA. American, not going to hey, USA. Hey, Matt Goto, I love you. Yeah, but we'll be there. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. But we'll see you at Summit then. There you go. See you at Summit. <laughs> and we are back. And joining us now, still in NorCal, but a little bit down the street, we have Portia. Portia, thanks for coming on the show. Of course. Dude, it's the best. You're the, you, we've been homies for a minute. So glad that you uh, got to come on. One of these days, I gotta get Brittany on too. So Brittany, if you're listening, you're coming on the show next time we do one of these. Shout out to Brittany, you know, the homie. But anyway, um, <laughs> Portia, tell the people who you are, the different hats that you wear in the industry. Um, so I'm Portia. I work at California All-Stars Bay Area. I have been there. This is my 10th or 11th year there. Um I coach our medium junior three, JFAB, our medium junior four, Covert, and new for me this year are small co-ed five strikers. There we go. Small, small co-ed yeah. five strikers. That used to be live five, right? Yes, it did. Dude, I that is, my personal opinion, the coolest name in the world. Live five, because I coach restricted five back at PCM and so we had to go against Live 5 all the time and I just thought that was such a cool name like Live Livermore and their yep. level 5 team like I just thought it was such a cool name so bring back Live 5 no no offense to anyone on Strikers but Live 5 was just such a cool name so anyway all right Portia let's um hop into this Portia you have letters Q through U so um let's um let's hop straight into these so Q is for quitting. So how do you deal with athletes, you know, that quit in the middle of the season and, you know, just recovering from that whole, you know, the detriment that that leaves the team in? So we're really fortunate to not have this happen too often. Um, If we do get quitters, it, tends to be a little bit earlier in the season during summer training but if it does happen due to injury or due to any other reason once um, summer training is done we are we tend to just try and fill that spot as best we can most of the time we try and pull from within program because we are really really blessed to have a good amount of athletes that enjoy crossing over to help out Um, whether it be short-term, long-term, for the remainder of the season. Um, However, occasionally if we have issues, like this year we have a a lot more teams from our location going to NCA, so it Mm -hmm. is a little bit harder to fill from within because of the level-to-level crossover rule, but no level up or down. Um, So we do occasionally, if we have athletes that haven't, didn't return, from the previous season, we might reach out to them. Um, we try not to do that too often unless they've already reached out to us and we may might not have had a position for them available when they reached out. Um, so we do sometimes a- approach it from that standpoint, but typically we're pretty blessed to be able to pull from within program. Um, but I mean, last season, JFAB and Covert had um, I mean, we were still coming out of COVID, so we had more crossovers than we like. We tend to start our season in our location with zero crossovers mm-hmm. um, and only allow crossovers due to quitting, injury, sickness, 
you know, emergency. So, but we do have a lot of kids that enjoy crossing over. So we pull from within. There we go. <clears throat> How many teams are in Livermore right now? Um, this season, ooh, I believe we're at 10. Um, we vary from 10 to 12. And that's, one year, I believe we had those are all, all star elite teams. Yes. And then we have our, um, so 11, if we include our mid mid season team. Mm -hmm. There we go. Dude, that's a full house, man. Like we have, we have 12 teams, six elite, six prep. Well, six elite, six prep, two mid seasons, and then fundamentals going on right now. And that is just it's that's a lot a lot right i mean it's a lot with the six yeah. just six elite teams right and to have you know 10 12 elite teams because we all know it's how much lot. like goes into like making sure that these teams are ready for this competition yeah it's crazy dude more power to y'all all right here we go so let's move on to the letter <laughs> r r stands for resources so Portia, what resources are you using nowadays to keep you sharp and ahead of the game? So resources, we, well, I tend to be more of just a, a video watcher. I mm-hmm. first and foremost, usually go back to what's worked for me in the past. So I'll watch old videos. Um, in the past couple of years, I've been big on taking the teams that I've coached in years past and going and watching those divisions um, from, Mm -hmm. you know, even as far back as 2013, 2014 and trying to kind of reinvent the wheel. So maybe Mm -hmm. taking skills we did, but finding um, like taking maybe level five skills that might be a little bit more, they're, they were advanced then, but aren't as advanced now and making them mm-hmm. finding a way to make them level four or even level three. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm big on, I'm big on videos and reels and recently with Instagram and everything, TikTok reels pop up and you're like, Oh, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. And you're able to just find ideas that way. Um, as far as the tumbling side goes, I kind of just follow a lot of I don't want to say random, but people that I've found on Instagram or people from other, you know, gyms or programs. And I try and kind of like write out, make notes for myself in my phone and on my iPad of drills and skills that maybe I might've used 10 years ago that I totally forgot about Mm -hmm. or that I know I have filed away somewhere in my brain, but Mm -hmm. I've forgotten to bring it out. Um, And I kind of go through that. I do use a lot of the Debbie Love stuff um, from over the years because her stuff was very good for tumbling. Um, but I try and just keep like a, a log of drills because, I mean, tumbling is kind of where it's at right now as far as execution goes. So nothing too crazy. Every once in a while I look at like acrobatics and mm-hmm. maybe Cirque du Soleil stuff just to get ideas here and there. But yeah. For the most part, I mean, when you go back and think about like things that were really advanced in level five or level six years ago that aren't so advanced right now, like, so for international level four at summit, you can compete one and a half ups to the top. 
And yeah. like all the international rules are a little bit different if you've never competed in them, in them before. But you can compete one and a half ups to the top in level four. And so we were getting ready with our J4 last year to get ready for Summit. And we're like, hey, guys, we're going to do one and a half ups to the top. And so we start training them. And we're doing it and they're hitting them. And I'm like, guys, you guys don't understand. Smoed did these. <clears throat> Excuse me. Samoa did these in like 2012, 2013, and the world yeah. lost their mind. Like they lost their mind when they did these. And I'm showing them a video of like these old Samoa routines. And I'm like I'm telling totally. you, everyone thought this was just crazy, and now we're doing them as a level four team, right? So, well, like quarter, yeah, it's just crazy. Quarter switch look, ups. Look yeah, for sure. Quarter, quarter switch, switch ups. ups. Is I remember doing those and at Worlds and mm -hmm. being like a top five contender with them and i was like mm, yeah well they're not very hard at all they're pretty damn yeah. easy so so yeah that's some good stuff like look back and you're like okay yeah we could turn that into level four we can turn that level three we can turn that level two now and make it you know more good stuff totally all right here we go let's move on to s s is for score sheets so with all of your experience in this cheer world what insights can you give us on the score sheet well the score sheet this year has definitely been a challenge. I think as just an industry, I think for everyone, everyone that I've talked to is either a fan or not a fan at all. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's, I kind of fall both ways. I think you could, I guess you could say um, it's been a challenging, I think for myself and a couple others like Brittany, um, because we take a lot of pride in doing always setting our routines up to be the most advanced as far as stunts and pyramids mm -hmm. go. And yeah. on the new score sheet, that's not necessarily rewarded um, because it's capped. So not mm -hmm. with pyramids, but with stunts, since it's capped, I mean, you have to do, they tell you exactly what to do. If you either do it or you don't, if you do it, you get what the four or five or you know, you get the score and then you're pretty level with everyone from there. So that's been a big shift for us because it's like the risk and the reward aren't necessarily there anymore. So you do, you're required allotted skills, but now you need to do them technically perfect. Mm -hmm. So that was hard to shift gears for me because I wanted to do the most and then I'm, you know, at our first few events, you do the most, and but your technique suffers. So okay. then one side of the score sheet's great, but everybody's, you know, difficulty side of the score sheet is pretty equal. So then we had, I had to shift gears in my head to, you know, more, not that we weren't emphasizing the execution because we were, but even greater emphasis on, you know, bases being chest yeah. to chest and, where the elbows are under the stunt and where the flyer's weight distribution is. And so I think for us, especially with our junior, our junior teams, cause that's where me and Brittany have been predominantly, um, mm -hmm. they're younger. So for them, they always just took great pride in the skill sets they were doing and how hard they were. And now mm -hmm. we've had to have, you know, have to teach them to shift gears to, yeah, you can do the hardest things, but we have to do it the most correct. So I think for us, yeah. That's been, especially for me, that's been the biggest, the hardest challenge. And, you know, we, I take pride in kids being smart cheerleaders. So mm -hmm. no matter if you're eight, nine, 10 or 15, 16, 17, you need to know 
the score sheet and you need to know what's rewarded and what's not. And I think we have taught our kids for so many years that we want to do the most and we want to be the best. Mm -hmm. And now when we're either dialing it back and taking skill sets out or finding that certain things weren't scoring what we wanted. So we're switching them and changing them and rearranging them. Um, Mm -hmm. I think my biggest challenge is my kids. It's a blessing and a curse. My kids are smart. So when I Mm -hmm. take them out, they're like, but wait, like we're good enough to do that. And it's like, yeah, you're good enough to do it, but you're not being rewarded for it. So why are we going to bend over backwards to do it? Make you more tired instead Mm -hmm. of doing exactly what the score sheet is asking and then taking time to put the creativity in or the Mm -hmm. better execution. So for us, it's been, especially in the Bay, it's been a big shift um, coach wise and athlete wise. Um, But on the flip side of that, when it comes to like the tumbling aspect, I think it's huge because it's forcing a stronger foundation. Mm -hmm. They're having to do specific things and they're having to do it technically perfect if you want to be rewarded. So we're not, we're instead of being separated by the difficulty now, everyone's being separated by the execution even more so than ever. Mm -hmm. And I think that that in the long run, is going to create less injury and yeah. it's going to create um, better foundation. So when kids do move up in level, they are not just kind of doing the skill. They're actually yeah. doing the skill and doing it well. And so, but I, I do think the score sheet requires a lot. And so if the team isn't set up, I don't want to say correctly, but if you have more than, a handful that can't do the skills technically perfect. Mm -hmm. Those that can do the skills technically perfect are being forced to carry the weight a little bit and have to do more than maybe they've had to do in past. So Mm -hmm. I think it kind of comes down to everyone being able, not everyone being able to do everything, but a majority of the team being able to do everything with great execution so that there aren't those athletes that are having to be recycled over and over again mm-hmm. I feel so. like, there we go now i talk about score sheet literally every day on the podcast so i'm not going to hop into it today i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you stick to that right now so we'll move on to t okay. for time and time um how is time split up at practice for you um so we technically our practice allotted window is two hours um we are in a very unique situation at the Bay. We um, do not have two full-size floors. Mm-hmm. We only have, we have, we have two floors per se, but we share the two center mats. So instead of okay. it being two nine panel floors, it's one nine panel floor and one seven panel floor and they're connected. Gotcha. So it's just one large floor. Mm-hmm. So, and then this, the nine panels in the center are blue and the outside panels are black so when we do get to a point in the season when we're running our full outs like comp style Mm -hmm. we use the true center and teams just rotate through it um however we time management is huge for us because we are constantly sharing two panels so um with our earlier sessions in the day because we run it you know like 
mm-hmm. um, the 530 session, two days a week has three teams in it. And yeah. so it's a little bit, it's controlled chaos, but it's chaos nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, you have to be aware of everyone's schedule that they want to stick to on that particular day. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have to be a little bit more willing to adapt because it's not always as easy as I'm going to run my practice the way I want to run my practice on my time mm-hmm. because yeah. I might have that, but Brittany might have the same idea and then our kids end up tumbling on top of each other. And now we're in a situation <laughs> where we can't do what we want to do. So yeah. um, I like to spend about the first hour warming up, cleaning, drilling, and then having like a 15 minute window to like, if I need a little bit extra time on something, having that window to drill that. Um, mm. And then having about 45 minutes to do full outs, clean sections in between, give or take, because we're sharing. So, um, but you know, a lot of times I end up going over my two hours. So, you know, <laughs> my time, my time <laughs> management. So recently I've been having the kids come early so that we can get done at seven thirty Cause I know I'm probably going to be longer. Um, it's also just dependent on the level. Like my level three takes less time. My level Mm -hmm. four, because I feel like there's 800,000 sections I have to clean because there's so many things we do. I take longer with them. And, you know, that's also, we have a lot of kids on that team this year that have had to, you know, due to injury or due to sickness or high school conflicts, like had to, switch change rearrange people on that team a lot so we're just getting to the point where we can consistently run the same practices all the time so um but i like to give myself a 45 minute window at least at the end to do my run throughs but you know some days it's longer some days it's less yeah just kind of dependent on what my emphasis was that day yeah yeah for sure there we go all right here we go portia we're gonna get to this last question the letter is U, and the U stands for underdog. So um, how do you – let me read this exactly. How do you attack seasons or competitions when you know you're the underdog? So every season is pretty unique in the sense that I, you know, I think every coach likes to assume that their team has been set up to be – the strongest or the most capable. Mm -hmm. Um, But we all do know we have those rebuilding years, whether it be that all your kids aged up, all your kids skilled out. And now you're bringing in, you know, Mm -hmm. the kids that were not that level previously, or you get a lot of new kids from other outside programs or whatever the case may be. Um, And I don't think we ever really know. I always like to uh, not assume, but like, I guess, assume that I'm, my team is set up successful or that my team is going to be one of the strongest. But then, you know, by midsummer, in summer, you start seeing the clips of everybody else in your division and you're like, oh, well, (laughs) here we are. So um, using like this year as I think a, um, a, an example 
So a bulk of my medium junior three, not a bulk, but a, a lot of them scaled out this year. So a lot of them went on to our medium junior four. <clears throat> so I, I ended up with an influx of new kids. Um, and many of which I'd never even coached in lessons or class. So I, me and Cameron weren't really sure what we were kind of getting into. Um, we knew they were going to be great, but they're very young for a junior team. Um, mm-hmm. And with that being said, it wasn't that they're incapable because they're actually probably a little bit more capable because I think the younger you are, you tend to be a little bit more of a pleaser. Um, so I think for us this year, we knew it would be different to start and that we are going to have to work really, really hard. So I just, I vouched to myself that I was going to overly communicate from the beginning of the season and yep. overly communicate everything like over, like overly communicate on every platform of social media we had to the parents. Like these are the expectations skill wise, you know, because parents want their kid in every section and, and with the new score sheet, you don't get rewarded. You don't put 30 kids in a section. You put the mm-hmm. best 22. And so um, that was my approach this year. And at first it was hard. You know, we went to American Grand and for the, I mean, this is our first year back to American Grand in probably seven years. Um, but we went and I, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I expected us to be top three. We had an undefeated season with JFAB last year. Mm-hmm. And we ended up in fourth And yeah. after day one. And then I was like, okay, we're going to work hard. We're going to get up there. We're going to do better day two. We did do better, but still not enough to come out of fourth. And that was, I think, an eye-opening experience, not only for myself and for Cameron, but um, – for the family as well, because I think so many people make our junior three and you make the team and you assume it's going to be like the was, it was the previous season. Mm-hmm. And there's just, oh, well, it's going to be the same. It's going to be the same. We're going to end up being successful because we're on this team. And we often forget the work that goes in. And so, um, you know, we had to get back to the drawing board and that was, I overly communicated again, like here, this is where we are. These are, this is how our scores stacked up. These are the areas we have to improve. If we don't see improvement, you guys aren't going to feel as successful as you want to. And, you know, just, I think that was our turning point this year mm-hmm. was no, we're going to do it. We are going to do it. And, if that means more classes, more lessons to get our tumbling skills up to par, because that was kind of where we were a little bit behind in the technique side. Um, Mm -hmm. And we would do, I'm also a big advocate for assigning cheer homework. Um, Because obviously depending on the age group, right? The younger kids are going to do it. The older kids are going to look at you sideways and be like, no, I'm not doing it. But I have a lot of younger kids. So assigning like writing out like this is your cheer homework for Tuesdays and Thursdays on our off days and you know giving incentives like if you complete this not only is it going to benefit your team but we're going to do a raffle and if your name your name gets put in every time you do it and then you win candy or you know incentives because I think through COVID we lost a lot of kids ability to self-motivate and that has to be relearned 
And I think that incentives at a young age helps encourage the work ethic. And then once they do it enough, it becomes a habit. And then they're finding the self-motivation to be able to be like, oh, wait, I do like working hard. I do enjoy seeing the benefits on the mat. I do enjoy being part of that team that is successful. And, you know, then we were really blessed. We went to spirit sports and it was the first time we had competed against a lot of the people we competed against at American Grand. And they were able to come out on top. And that was a big win for them mentally. And I think confidence wise, that was huge for them because I have so many young kids, so many 14 and unders that are now like, oh, wait, we can do that. We, we did that, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think yeah. that this year for me, especially was like, oh, wait, like any, these kids are pros- capable of anything. You just have to lay out the standards, overly communicate and work hard and teach them that there's not, nothing is too much hard work. And I think that that is kind of been the, the motivating factor right now. And now I can confidently say like, we're going into Dallas feeling a lot better about our skill level, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think I can see it in the kids. I can see it in the parents and it's not something that is just a hope anymore. Yeah. It's a, it's like knowing without a doubt that like we are in control of what we do mm-hmm. and we worked as hard as we can. And now we're going to see where we fall. So have I think uh, that division that... splits come out yet for Dallas. Yes, they have. Yes, oh. they have. You don't, you don't need to say anything. How's your division looking? You feeling all right? Um, I'm feeling good. I think the kids are yeah. feeling good. I, you know, there's, I'm feeling great about level three. Level four, there was no division split. So it's just 14 teams. And then, yeah. of course, the division split happens at 16. Yeah. So I was like, well, cool. Now we have one of the biggest divisions because yeah. it's at 14. But, you know, it's in the, just telling my kids exactly how I feel. Like, it's better to compete against everyone now yeah. than to get to Summit and the first time competing against some of the big dogs be at Summit. Mm-hmm. So... I'd rather see how we match up now and have, you know, those few months to prepare for summit than yeah. just hope. So Yeah. I remember one time so, one year we um division splits came out. This is when we're at PCM and we were yeah. large senior three and we have thirty two is back when large senior was thirty two. So we have like thirty two kids on the team and all like every big gym is has as is split into that 30 plus it's like yeah it's like cali and willard's elite and yep i can't remember but it's like everyone i just remember everyone being in that division split and then like the th- 29 and below with like all these teams i'd never heard of and i'm like man yep. how can we lose a kid <laughs> no well this year that's medium junior four medium junior four so yeah. there's 14 teams Seven of them are cheer athletics and California all-stars. Yeah. Three California all-star teams, four cheer athletics. The other seven are like Woodlands late, still big gyms, but like seven of the teams are California all-stars and cheer yeah. athletics. <laughs> I was like, uh, cool. So, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, here we go. Let's see. Here, we, here we go. Let's make it happen. Yeah, for so, sure. So that. I'm feeling, I mean, I am feeling good. Dallas, you know, brings out the best and the worst of us as coaches. Yeah. So it will be, it'll be fun. I'm just hoping for good weather. Well, yeah, decent right. weather. 
Yeah, just al- allow us to fly into the city, please, right? Yeah, last year yeah, was not it. Sure. So Not it yeah. at all. That's fun. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, Portia, you have been great. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your knowledge, experience, and wisdom with all of our listeners. Um, real quick, before we let you go and get to this break, if the people want to follow you or follow the gym on social media, how can they do that? Um, so our, you can hop on the website, californiaallstars.com, or on Instagram, it's, I believe it's just the California All Stars. And then from there, obviously, it'll link you to like the separate locations if you want. So there we go. Yep. Awesome stuff. Portia, thanks for coming on again. You're welcome back any of course. time. Thanks right, guys. for having me. We're going to get to a break. And then when we come back, we got our final set of letters. What we got coming up? V through Z with Julian from Max All Stars. And we are back, and I want to welcome to the show Julian, who's going to be closing us out with letters B through Z. So first, Julian, welcome to the show, and go ahead and tell the people who you are and the different hats you wear in the industry. Hi, yeah, my name is Julian Hirschberg. I'm the tumbling director at Max All Star Cheer. Um, I've been in the industry since I was about eight years old. My family owns the gym I work at, so I started coaching when I was 15. And so this will be my 18th season. I also am an ambassador for Tumble Track, and I do a lot of trainings for them as well. And so I, I do it all. I love tumbling. I've worked at Nash Camp. Well, I will be working at Nash Camp, and I did Woodward when it was Woodward. There we go. Good stuff, man. And you guys, I remember meeting you. Like, really feel like the first time we ever like talked face to face. Oh, we talked a couple times like at competitions, but we saw we ran into each other at uh, Grand last year. And and Small Coed, congrats with Small Coed winning worlds. Oh, and then um, was it the level five that won Summit or the level four? It was our level four that won Summit. Yeah, like and medium then, uh, and then medium coed. Medium, yeah, I think it was medium international four or something like that. Okay, yeah, yeah, they were good. They were they were really good. I got they're a great team. Yeah, for sure. I was watching. We were in the stands, maybe waiting for awards or maybe waiting for our warm up um, time. But I remember like watching them, and I was like, "Oh, that team was really, really good." And it was cool to see um, that you guys end up winning that. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, so let's hop into these letters and uh, get it cracking. So um, let's start with V. So V is for value. So what values do you have as a coach? What do you hold important to you as a coach? For me, value comes down to like number one progression. Progression is everything for me. I don't, I don't coach what we refer to a lot as designer teams. I usually coach up and coming teams that are kind of working towards getting to the top. Like I coach mm-hmm. our our younger worlds team, and I work with a lot of our younger athletes that are working towards getting to the top. So mm-hmm. progression over everything, and second comes team cohesion. Mm-hmm. A team that doesn't get along is so unfun to be on. It's so unfun to coach. It's just so unfun. Yeah, for sure. So, I feel you, man. So Dude, for me, those team, are my top two values. There we go. And at team cohesion, like like you said, it's it's not fun for the kids to be on, and it's not fun to coach when kids are bickering and and just doing all that exactly. stuff, right? Like just that whole. That like chaos for me, I've of, had teams I, I that have coached that. that have been great. Yeah, like I've had teams that are great, but they're not fun to coach because they don't get along. 
and they've had mm-hmm. great seasons, but it wasn't great for me because it wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, for sure. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to W, and W is for winning routines. So what actually, for you, creates a winning routine? I think it comes back down to that team cohesion. I think for us, winning is really new for us as a program, if I'm being 100% honest, on the big scale. Like, we've won locally a lot, but winning on the big stages has been really new for us, and we're just super excited and humbled by every experience that we've had. Mm-hmm. I mean, but for us, winning is, is new. So we had to kind of change our perspective for a long time about what is winning. What is a win for me as a coach? A win is a kid that gets a little bit better each day. A kid is mm-hmm. a team or a win is a team that's just getting a little bit crisper. A, like just those 0.1% getting better. Because mm-hmm. you have to redefine what that means for like, I mean, we've been in the industry for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And we just won worlds for the first time ever. Yeah, it was it was a, amazing to see that for my parents. I mean, I hate, like, it's so interesting, but like watching my dad cry on that world stage after he won mm-hmm. was probably one of the best. I understand like what being a parent kind of felt like. Cause I was like, just watching my dad cry. And I was like, this is what it's all about. Yeah. That's really cool. And go ahead. And we have a lot of new coaches that listen to the podcast and well, new coaches. And then a lot of just like smaller programs that, you know, don't go to worlds, maybe don't even have teams that go to summit and they're really struggling with like, with Sorry, that component of like actually winning big competitions, right? Like a, a very small percent of our, of our audience probably actually has won worlds before, right? Or even one summit and I'm guessing a large percent have maybe never even gone to summit. So talk to me one more time, like kind of reiterate that or expand upon um, winning on that small scale, not necessarily winning, like, you know, and in first place, you know, from Utah, but just those individual wins, like what coaches at that level can look forward to as far as winning is concerned or winning at that level. So, yeah, for me, like I, I coach mostly tumbling, right? So like anytime Mm -hmm. I watch a kid break through to a new skill, that is a huge win. I always call it like Mm -hmm. in my mind, I have what I like to jokingly call my emotional trophy case. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's literally just like the biggest wins of my career. Like, and a lot of those are not gold medals. They're not first place teams on a floor. A lot of those are little, like little Susie got through her mental block. She just, her relationship with her parents has changed. Her relationship with the sport has changed. Her relationship with everything has changed because she got to have a little bit more self-confidence today. Mm-hmm. And like Good with stuff. teams, like, like with teams, like, I, for some reason, my bird flips just kept dropping below prep and I don't, so I, I literally put a pool noodle in the middle of them the other day and I was like, you guys are not allowed to go below this noodle. (laughs) And like, just by fixing that one part of my pyramid, that was like the biggest win of my week last week. Mm Mm-hmm. Good. You know how many times I watched that on Instagram? Like I watched, I saw it came up on my feed and it was like, put this noodle on. And I watched that video so many times to be like, he's might have cracked the code. And I'm trying to think of like how I can work that into, you know, our, um, like our stuff. Like, is there anything I need to do where the kids, where I can incorporate that noodle? Such a really, really good idea. All right, here we go. So let's move on to X and X. We have a little, little get creative here. X for cross tumbling. So as the tumbling director, 
of a very good tumbling program. I figured I would uh, toss this one your way. So tell me about um, uh, tumbling and cross tumbling and how you set up your classes and give us some structure, some feedback and some, um, some fun facts and some tips. Oh, this is a hot take. I don't think people should ever cross tumble. All right. I think what do you mean by that? Oh, okay. What's your definition of cross tumble? Like corner to corner using the entire floor. Mm -hmm. Like when you do the big X down the center, Mm -hmm. I find it. So here's my biggest issue with it as a coach. It's two sides. I Mm -hmm. like lines. Lines to me are the, like I've, I've always said lines are the truth. It's the one thing promised to you on every spring floor every college floor, every high school floor, there will be spaces, there will be lines. So you want to use those lines because they're there. Why wouldn't you use those to square off your tumbling? I teach a Mm -hmm. lot of spin skills. And so Mm -hmm. for me, I don't like people landing towards a corner when they're learning spin skills because I might not have caught it, but they might've landed seven eighths or even like a full and a quarter. And Mm -hmm. it just those little tiny extra angles could be the damage to the ankles and knees that you don't want. Yeah. The, the other thing I don't love about the idea of like the big floor cross tumbling is you're burning up so much of your active like space. Mm-hmm. So we usually tumble long ways is what we call it. Like we have like, you have the short run and the long run and the yep. long run's just the full nine mat, like the nine panel mat. And then the short runs just top to bottom, the seven, mm-hmm. but like we usually run it just straight up. Like we kind of grid out our floor and we let people go in long because, I mean, you can, we have another floor that's attached to our main tumbling floor. So if you mm-hmm. have to go longer than a floor, you can. Yep. But I just – I find that, like, one out of – like, maximum five kids in a routine are actually using a true corner-to-corner pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Those... I don't train it because I just don't find it, like, plausible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny. You know what's so funny is when we were younger, I remember when I first started cheering – you know, we we did cross tumbling, right? And we would just line oh, yeah, up all day. Fifteen of us in this corner, the other fifteen in that corner, and we'd go one at a time, corner to corner, right? And I eventually started working camps, and I worked for Action Spirit uh, with Ray Jasper, and I love him. And I love him too, Ray. It's time for you to come on the show, man. And and I remember going to Maryland Twisters. They were one of the one of the mm, clients, right? We so got Maryland good. Twisters. And I remember we had to watch F5 practice. And it was the first time I'd ever seen he had the kids line up what you would call the long run, right? They're all lining up. And he would go, you know, series, right? And the kids all just ripple series. And then he goes, tucks, right? And they do, and they go through this whole warm up progression and he's twist, right? And you, do, you see like 20 double full start go. It was pretty impressive, but I'd never seen. I'd only seen corners up, you know, people do what we would call cross tumbling. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, and I don't think, I'm not sure if anyone actually still does cross. I tried to do it a few years ago and I was like, hey guys, we're going to, you're going to line up in this corner and you're going to line up in this corner and you guys are going to go. The kids were like totally lost on the concept. I'm like, guys, it's not that hard. You're going to go, then you're going to go, then you're going to go. Corey Ricketts runs an incredible cross tumbling circuit. I just oh, can't get my kids to do it, but he does yeah. incredible stuff out of the corners. There you go. Good stuff, man. All right, Corey Ricketts incredible at everything he does. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Corey. Hey, Corey, you need to come on the show too, man. Let's go, Corey. All right. Um, like he's incredible. And shout out to that, that, that new baby you got, Corey. Um, 
All right, why is for younger coaches? Like I said earlier, we've got a lot of younger coaches who listen to the show, a lot of coaches just trying to get their footing in the industry and you know, just try to make it happen. So what advice do you have for all the younger coaches out there listening right now? So I'm going to be super vulnerable right now. I have struggled my whole life with mental health. Like it's something I've, I've worked on my whole life. It's I've had ADHD my whole life. And that's my biggest advice to younger coaches is keep an eye on your mental health. This is the best job in the world. I truly believe that. But at the same time, it has a very heavy toll on your emotions. Mm-hmm. And so you have to keep an eye on your mental health. Like if you're teaching a kid privately and it's just not clicking, have that conversation with that parent. Be like, hey, you know what? This isn't working for me. This isn't working for her. Like, I think we could find her a better fit. But for me, it's just not like, I just, I feel like I'm putting stress on her because she's putting stress on me. And that's Mm -hmm. something we need to work on. And maybe we Mm -hmm. should just take a break for a while. I think learning to have open and honest conversations with parents, athletes, and your coworkers is so important. There we go. I love it. So real quick, let me follow up. What do you feel about the job where you said this is like an emotionally like taxing job, draining job? So what is it? What is it about the job specifically? Do you feel like just drains you? So, so I mean, it's, it's a nonstop job, right? Mm -hmm. Like most of us don't ever turn this job off. Mm -hmm. I think about cheer probably like, I'm going to be real, probably like 85 to 90% of my day. Yeah. And so for me, like, even a blah gray day where I just didn't see a lot of progression. One of those is fine. And you're going to have like good days and bad days. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. But like, if you're not always trying to just make sure that you're in it, because it's competitive. That's why we like it. But certain aspects of not being competitive hurt. Like Mm -hmm. if say you weren't your best today, you feel that just like an athlete feels that. Yeah. You feel you feel your bad days, and you have you have to carry that with you until you have a good day. Mm-hmm. No, I feel so you, it's man. a lot of just checking in on yourself, making sure. Like one of the things I've always tried to do is make sure you like sustain relationships outside the industry just to stay grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. It's but it is really tricky. <laughs> no, I feel you. all my friends are cheerleaders too. <laughs> yeah, I heard that, man. I heard that. Um, you mentioned this about thinking about the sport, you know. 80, 90% of your day. Right. And I was talking to a coach not too long ago who was just struggling with the other coaches in their gym about just being too hard on the kids. Right. And just lashing out at the kids and, and just, just lashing out the kids basically. Like I, like, I don't want this like in our culture. Right. And I remember saying, yeah, like part of that is that coaches, sometimes don't feel like the athletes are at their dedication level. I was like, because as coaches, we're thinking about it. Like you said, all day long, we are at, we're at the gym, you know, obviously we go to the gym, but we're thinking about how we're going to run practice before we get to the gym. And then as soon as practice is over, we're thinking about what we're going to do next practice or what we could have done better. And, you know, you're talking about it on the weekends, right. And you're thinking it's consuming your whole life. Meanwhile, the kids have, you know, they go to school and then they have their social life and then they, they come to the gym. And, and I feel like as per, I can personally speak, I think about cheer way more as a coach than I did as an athlete. And I was a really, really dedicated athlete. I was a really dedicated athlete. And I think about 
cheer far more as a coach than I did as an athlete. And, and so when the kids, when you feel like the kids aren't putting in as much dedication as you, you like, it angers you, right? Cause you're like, why aren't you like, come on, like, I can't want this more. And so my, yeah, why advice, aren't you into it? Yeah. And so my advice to coaches is you can't want it more than the athletes, right? Like you can lead the horse to water, but you can't force them to drink. And so when you're trying to want it more than the, so this is my advice. I didn't even know I was going to give this advice until you said something. But if you want it more, you, you, it needs to be important and very important. And you need to inspire the kids to want it. But if you want it 10x more than the athletes, you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to stress yourself out because you're always going to view them as like, why, why don't they put in the same um, level as me? Right. And none of us want to be the hardest workers in the room. So here we go. Um, Julian, you have been great. Let's go ahead and wrap up with the letter Z. And Z is for a zillion. Okay. So what is something you say a zillion times at practice? I'm going to be honest. It depends who you ask. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say you ask my team, and they, their first initial instinct would be burpee tucks. <laughs> <laughs> burpee tucks. I love, I love burpee tucks. I like them because they're just a quick and easy like, – I'm a big – so if I'm being real – my favorite zillion statement is earn your water break. Mm -hmm. Like I always, I want to clean a section. I want to make it look right, but there will never be a water break without some kind of like mini conditioning right mm -hmm. before you go get it. Mm -hmm. Just cause like, I honestly think we have so much dead time in our sport. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times we're just like milling about, like you're like, okay, well we cleaned your first stunt. Go grab a quick water break. Be back in like, you know, we'll call you back. No. You get, you're going to do 10 burpee tucks. You get two minutes of water maximum and then you're yeah. back. Let's play. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I also, the last thing I always say to my teams before they hit the floor is have fun and hit. Yeah. And I really try to emphasize, like I, I, I actually play a lot of games at practice. I love to have fun. I, I think that's one of those things we forget is that kids, mm -hmm. like even, I, I mean, I coach high end athletes, like super high end athletes. But they're still kids. Yeah. I'm still a kid. I want to play I want to play a game more than I want to work out. For even sure. if it is even harder than actually working out. Yeah. It's just more fun to have a have a goal at the end of the day. Absolutely. So have fun and hit is probably my big zillion. There you go. Have fun and hit. Emphasis on the hit, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean if I mean, if you want to have a fun practice, you should probably hit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> have fun and hit. I love that. That's good stuff. We used to say, when I cheered at SFA, which I always want to say it to the kids, I always kind of feel like it's slightly, not inappropriate. I just, you know, I don't know. But we used to say this at SFA. It's, it's, before it's we went, aged. Well, we used, yeah, it's aged, right? Yeah. And we used to say, um, don't suck. And I always want to tell that to the kids, but I'm like, no, I don't need another parent email about me saying he told the kids not to suck. And so, but yeah, I like that. Um, have fun and go hit. Yeah, good stuff, man. All right, man. Um, dude, Julian, you've been great. Is there, how can people, if people want to follow you or the gym on social media or reach out to you about doing camps and you do tumbling clinics or anything, um, where can the people reach you? How can they get in contact with you or they, where can they follow you and your journey? So yeah, totally. My Instagram is max, M-A-C-S underscore Julian. Our gym is max underscore cheer. So M-A-C-S underscore cheer. 
Um, you can also find me on Facebook and all the other forms of TikTok and whatnot. It's all the same, Max underscore Julian. On Facebook, it's Julian Hirschberg. If you can spell that your first try, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tricky one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm always around. I, I Especially with coaches, I get a lot of DMs, like a ton of like, hey, how would you fix this? And I try to get back to people as fast as I can. Mm. Because I, I actually like the challenge. Like, send it to me. I like the challenge. There we go. Absolutely love it. Uh, Julian, you also recommended a, a great book to me. What book was it? Everyone's going to think it's some coaching book. Well, it's not a coaching book. Uh, what was the name of that book? Um, Project Hail Mary. Project Hail Mary. Man, that was such a good book. I couldn't believe how good it was. I was like, it's the best book I've ever read in my life. So if you're looking for just a good- It's so good. I've yeah. read it like three times. Yeah, man. <laughs> if you're looking for a good fiction, science fiction book- Project Hail Mary is is great. I'm gonna link it. Yeah, I'm gonna link it below. That's how good it was. So, um, dude, I'm a big I'm a big sci-fi nerd. If you yeah. guys ever need sci-fi, I'm here. Yeah, that was a great book. So, anyway, Julian, thanks for wrapping up the show. We appreciate you, man, and you're welcome back anytime. Thank you so much, dude. That was so fun. Yeah, it was a blast. Hey, Let's Talk Cheer Podcast listeners, although this episode has come to an end, there are a few other cheer podcasts out there that you can add to your weekly routine. If you're a gym owner or gym director and want to dive more into the business side of things, then check out the Connecting People and Profits podcast with host Dan Cotton. If you're a former cheerleader and want to hear the success stories from other former cheer athletes after their cheering days are done, then you'd love the Life After Cheer podcast with host Danielle Donovan. And if you're a cheer parent and need another cheer parent to relate to and want to hear things from a cheer mom's perspective, then the Cheer Mom podcast is for you. Check one of them out. Check them all out. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for watching the Let's Talk Cheer podcast. Definitely subscribe so you never miss out on anything from the show.